Brought to you by Fruitnet Media, this is Fruitbox. Hello and welcome to Fruitbox, Fruitnet series of conversations about the fresh fruit and vegetable business with me, Chris White. Every week I talk down the line from here in London with people from across the world of fresh produce about some of the biggest issues they face today. I want these 15-minute conversations to give you the best insight into how to do better business in fresh fruits and vegetables. Now, today I I want to talk about taste. A few months ago, we looked at the subject of taste from the reference point of strawberries, and and today I'd like to look at taste uh, and tomatoes. I I have many conversations with with people outside the business uh, about taste and tomatoes, weirdly enough. They, They always tell me that tomatoes taste of nothing nowadays. And I tell them about all the work the business has been doing over so many years to push the taste of tomatoes, to improve the taste of tomatoes that they grow and they market. Um, And and that taste is actually very often their number one priority. So why isn't this message getting through and, and what do we need to do? To discuss this with me, I am delighted to be joined down the line from her offices in Belgium by Sinova Johansson, the business development manager of Hoogstraat and one of the largest producers of tomatoes and berries in Belgium and in Northern Europe as a whole. Sinova, welcome to Fruitbox. Thank you, Chris. Delighted to be here with you. Now, you've recently done some very interesting consumer research on this issue of taste, this very specific issue of taste as it relates to tomatoes. Tell us some more of what you've found, Sinova. Yeah, sure, Chris. I mean, taste as such has always been a priority for us here at Hogsarten in, in all our produce, not just in tomatoes. And it starts with, of course, tasting, testing of varieties throughout production, um, growing, harvesting, quality control. Through every step, every process, it remains a priority, both quality and taste. And I mean, for us, quality and taste are important because it is the best way to maintain consumption, which is what we want. So talking specifically about tomatoes, and they actually come across the same perception as you do from time to time. Um, People think not all tomatoes have taste, and especially larger ones sometimes tend to be seen as more tasteless. Uh, And you're right, though. A lot has changed in the category in the last 15, 20 years. It's been a massive change. I mean, if you just look at what's available on the shelf for the retailer today, you see an extremely broad selection of colors, taste, price, size, Every shape and size is available. So in that sense, the tomato category is no longer what it was. And to be clear, I mean, there are a lot of tasty tomatoes available on the shelf in the retail today. We shouldn't forget that. Um, and I think one interesting aspect is the, should we say, the snacking segment, which is actually a new section in the tomato category. And not just in tomatoes, there's carrots, there's cucumbers, there's peppers. Um, and we all buy them for our kids and ourselves. And it's actually a new should we say consumption moment within the category? Uh, and I give them to my kids in the lunchbox. They're on the here next to me chatting to you. There's a bowl of tomatoes um, at home on the bench. And we all snack on them. And we know that if they're tasty, we take them, we eat them, and they disappear and they're gone. And it's because they are tasty. And that just shows how important it is that taste is actually part of the product. Mm. Um, but back to the research we did. Um, It's some research we did in Sweden, specifically focusing on consumer behavior and perception, and specifically looking at the perception of the consumer of the tomato category. 
And this is part of a bigger picture here at Hochstraten. We've done similar research in the past in other countries, in Germany and Belgium. Um, and this is actually something we also evaluate an ongoing process together with Wageningen University. New varieties are investigated, looked into, measured, uh, graded, and also current varieties and what's available in the marketplace gets evaluated on a very regular basis. Um, so interestingly, the consumers do differentiate on taste. They do see that there is a difference in taste in tomatoes. Some are more tasty than others. And if you look at it at a high level, generally speaking, and I think most of us would agree with it, is that on the vine tomatoes tend to have more taste than tomatoes which are so loose. Uh, and also smaller tomatoes are perceived as having more taste than larger tomatoes. So high level, that is how the consumer sees it. Mm. Uh, interestingly, perception is also that local tomatoes are tastier than imported ones. Um, or should we say better than imported ones, maybe? Because it's about more than just taste in that aspect. Food miles comes into the equation and other things. At the same time, there's a lot of choice for the consumer. And maybe too much. Because to some extent, there isn't enough differentiation between the different SKUs on the shelf today. So in that sense, the consumer is sometimes left thinking, which tomatoes do I choose and which ones do I buy? And I'm sure your friends will tell you the same thing. What do I buy? Uh, so one of the interesting things that came up and what impressed me personally is how some of the consumers kept mentioning one specific item. And despite this being a relatively expensive item, at least in the mind of the consumers, a lot of them referred to it as always having taste, which is clearly crucial for them to buy it again. And here the consumers, which had previously put, should say, taste and origin, sustainability as key criteria for buying a product or not, to some extent, forgot about those criteria and said, we buy this product because it tastes good every time. Mm. Uh, so simply put, in that sense, taste becomes the most important criteria for actually buying a product, which is what we all want people to do. So taste equals repeat purchase. It's my personal conclusion at that level. Mm. So yes, as consumers, we want local produce. We want to be British in your case, maybe uh, Belgian in my case, or, or Swedish in the case of the research. We would like it to be organic, sustainably produced, sustainably packaged, and we would like it to be cheap. Um, however, when we know it tastes good, all of these other requirements become less relevant. So in that sense, to answer your question, Chris, a lot has changed in the category, but there are still tasteless tomatoes available, if you can put it like that, unfortunately. There, there certainly are. That's very interesting uh, research and some conclusions that you've uh, come to. So, the, so these shoppers in Sweden, they've connected a, a very specific product with better tasting tomatoes. They like the taste of, let's say, a certain brand of tomatoes and, uh, and have gone back to buy more. So that's, I mean, that's kind of obvious. It's not so surprising, surely, is it? No, you're right, Chris. It shouldn't be that surprising. However, that is not what your acquaintances beyond the fruit and veg section are telling you. They're telling you the opposite. Mm. Uh, and I think in general, we all know that this is not always the case in the fruit and veg section. There's a lot of variability in produce. We don't always know where it's coming from. Um, so in that sense, for me, the main take out of the research was that when consumers do recognize a product, which is consistently good, they appreciate it. So it's important for the consumer to know that the product is good and they can recognize it. And once that is the case, they will actually buy it again and again. 
And and this Cersei Novia is where is where I guess the branding issue comes in, isn't it? I mean, that's what brands are supposed to to do. They they set up a promise, they deliver on a promise, and they deliver on this promise each and every time. So, kind of, what's the difference here that you're finding, if if any? No, you, you're right, Chris, again. I mean, that is what a brand should be, a reliable product which you're happy with time and time again. Um, and I think for me here, the brilliance was that the consumers didn't perceive this to be a brand. So, I mean, one of the questions in, in part of the research was actually to the consumer to name the fruit and veg brands they're familiar with. And they came back with, the, as we say, the banana brands and Sespre and the regular big brands. And none of them mentioned this product. While at the same time, they had previously mentioned it by name. So they know the product, they recognize it, but they do not perceive it to be a brand. Mm-hmm. But I would agree. I think the research does show that there is space for brand also in the fruit and veg section. And I think one of the reasons we haven't seen it too much is that the consistency isn't always there. So after all, what is the consumer looking for? They're looking for certainty in terms of knowing what they're buying and that they're buying a good product. And so often today, um, and you mentioned this a moment ago as well, um, one of the things, the reference points for a consumer is the the question of price. They kind of have this ability to remember what they paid. uh, Although, you know, in the old days, you'd pick up something and it always has a price ticket on it. Today, that isn't the same. Um, um, So so what about price? Um, Are they prepared to pay more? for better tasting tomatoes. What did your research uh, show you? Well, in, indeed they were, Chris. I mean, what the research showed um, is that once a consumer knows the product and has learned that it does deliver in taste, price is less of a concern. Mm. But yeah, I mean, I mean, for some consumers, price is always going to be a, a driver. And for many com- consumers, price is actually the main reference point in terms of an indicator for quality. So we do need to give the consumer a reason to buy, if that's a brand then or, or, or whatever, but to buy a more expensive product, because if the consumer doesn't know why a product is more expensive, why should they be willing to pay for it? And I think that's where there is a role to play for brands. Uh, and I think we've all had the experience where we buy a product, we take it home with us and we're disappointed. So the brand needs to be linked to a tasty product for a snacking moment or any other moment. And I think we all know that tomatoes, which don't taste good, or blueberries or whatever product, they stay in the bowl in the kitchen and they don't get eaten. And as a consumer, I don't don't buy it again. And that is not what we want. So I think as an industry, um, we need to deliver a consistently good product 52 weeks of the year. And we need to make sure that this product is recognizable to the customer and to the consumer. Mm. And that's recognizable is where a brand can indeed play a role. Now, it's it's interesting that, and also this issue about, um, you know, whether we need to make these products available to consumers 52 weeks of the year, but that's something perhaps for, for another conversation. I think if we, um, it occurs to me that if you kind of extrapolate some of this research that you've done and you apply it to fresh fruits and vegetables more generally, we tend to get, how should I say, the lowest prices at those times of the year when the produce is at its best, and the volumes are at their highest. So that's kind of in the mid season. And um, you get your highest prices at the start and the end of the seasons, frankly speaking, when the product probably is is not at its best. So um, 
if you have a brand, are you able, therefore, to kind of um, support the price, if you will, at that point where the prices are at their lowest? Um, I mean, brands in that sense, do they make for, for better margins, would you say? Um, what, what, what do you think? Um, yeah, it, I think, first of all, what we do need to make sure is that the product that we deliver is a good product. And it's in line with expectations of the of the consumer. And price does also influence that expectation. Mm. At the same time, I think we as consumers also realize um, strawberries in January are out of season and will be more expensive. I mean, we know that the strawberry season, as Northern European consumers, strawberry season is in May or June. So we are willing to pay more because we realize it's out of season. We need to make sure that there's a good product that gets put on the shelf regardless if it's out of season or not. Um, so I think, again, as a consumer, if you have the experience of buying something which is overripe, underripe, brown, it, it has a detrimental effect. And I mean, looking at my own example, I've got some blueberries in the fridge. They're still there from last week because it had a sour taste. And no one's eating them. And to be honest, it's going to end up being food waste, which yeah. I hate. But I also see in my own behavior and my kids' behavior, we're not eating it because it's not tasting nice. So, yes, you're right. Seasonal product is normally at its best. And I believe there is room for this. And the consumers are also saying it. They don't always know which product is best when. Um, they don't always know which tomatoes to use when. Why should I buy which tomatoes? So I think there is room for, and I probably also need to educate the consumer and to inform the consumer. What is the best use of which product and when should you buy which product? And some retailers are doing it to a limited extent at least. Yes, basically consumers don't always know what to buy, what is the best product. Um, so I think hair retailers have a big role to play, both in putting good produce on the shelf and also in terms of communicating with their customers and consumers. Um, and as a sideline to that, actually, my daughter asked me, Mama, can you buy some more clementines? Of course I can. I'm happy to buy fruit. Uh, but she wanted me to buy more because they tasted nice and they're all gone. So the fact that, of course, as a mother, I want my daughter to eat well. I wanted to eat healthy products. I'm in the fruit and veg industry. I wanted to eat more fruit and veg. Um, but the fact is, she's asking me to buy more because it tasted nice. And I think that is such a crucial message that, of course, I'll buy more clementines. And I'll buy them regardless of price, to be honest. Eh? But she wants more because it tastes nice and they're all gone. And the blueberries are still there. I had, I had a, a, a very interesting discussion recently with somebody in the citrus business. And what they're trying to do, of course, is find they appreciate that there are times of the season where the taste of clementines isn't as good. So they're trying to find varieties that can bridge mm -hmm those gaps and um, and lead to extra sales. And that's all based, as you mentioned, uh, like the motivation of, of your daughter. It's based on the fact that they taste great and, and uh, we all want to eat taste, great tasting fruit. So so um, what are some of the big learnings that, that at Hoogstrachten you've taken from this consumer polling uh, to develop uh, more brands, to focus on on taste to do, I mean, all of all of these things are, are kind of things I can imagine you want to do, but 
surely you need to get the buy-in from the food retailer first before you go and do all of this. Yeah. So as I mentioned, Chris, taste and flavor are priority here at Volkswagen. So this research in that sense just confirmed our belief. Uh, it is a priority and it will remain a priority. And you're right. I think especially in the tomato category, a lot is sold on the private label. Mm. So in that sense, um, the retailer needs to be part of the story. Mm. It is a responsibility of the retailer to also communicate. Um, so if you look at strawberries, clearly there's a different brand approach here at Hogswarton. And we make every effort to make sure that strawberries taste good every time you buy a Hogswarton strawberry, regardless of the time of year. And yes, there's a seasonality to it, but every strawberry which goes into a Hogswarton punnet should taste good. And we communicate this to our consumers. There's a lot of online advertising, uh, marketing, trade campaigns, multiple channels, uh, but it's a consumer brand. And in the strawberries, it's a different category. It's much less brand driven, which also makes it more challenging for us as a cooperative to communicate with the consumer. And actually this makes me think about the episode of Fruitbox recently with San Miguel with uh, Juan Martin. And what I thought was brilliant about that was he was talking about promoting lemon consumption. He wasn't talking about promoting San Miguel lemons. So he wants to promote the whole category. At least that's the message I took out of it. And today I'm drinking lemon water here at the office. So <laughs> it's worked for you too. It reminded me about that. So yeah, I'm drinking lemon water again. Uh, <laughs> so what we have recently done here at Hawksarten to reinforce the message actually, and to keep our customers, i.e. the retailer, uh, informed, um, is to invite, should we say, the more local ones who can come here within COVID restrictions. And we've invited them to a tasting. Uh, for them to come here to taste the current varieties that we're doing, to remind them what we're doing today, uh, as well as to look at varieties which we are testing, which we are trialing, which may never make it to, to large-scale production, but also just to have the discussion with them. Why is this a better product? What is the taste? Is this something you want to do in the future? The whole, yeah, to show what we're busy with on taste and to have them taste it and feel it themselves. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, at the end of the day, I still believe that what we all need to do um, throughout the complete chain from, from the grower, from the seed provider to the retailer is actually to provide the consumer with healthy and tasty produce um, in order to ensure the repeat purchase. Because at the end of the day, the consumer comes back for more produce because they like the produce. And taking the example of my daughter wanting clementines, of course I want to have her eating clementines rather than biscuits and sugary <laughs> snacks. Uh, so in that sense, I truly believe that taste is the best way for us as an industry to support that growth in consumption that we all want to see. I think that's a, a very positive message and, and one that I think we can all uh, all buy into. Um, and, uh, and I'm looking forward to hearing from Juan Martin, uh, who uh, I hope is going to start eating more tomatoes as a result of listening to this. Uh, particular uh, episode with you, Sinova. Our 15 minutes are up, I'm afraid, and that's all we've got time for today on Fruitbox. I was joined down the line from Belgium by Sinova Johansson of Hoogstraten. Thanks so much for joining uh, me today on Fruitbox, Sinova. Chris, thanks so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. So you can find today's conversation with Sinova and the many others I'm having here at Fruitbox on our website, fruitnet.com. I share every episode of Fruitbox on my profile on LinkedIn. So do connect with me there too. 
post any comments you have on what you hear and do reshare my post with your followers as well. Uh, and don't forget to let me know what issues you want to hear discussed here on Fruitbox. Stay tuned and continue to make Fruitbox your regular listen. That was Fruitbox and this is Chris White. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. To sponsor a future episode, please email advertising at fruitnet.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Fruitnet Live. And don't forget you can keep up to date with all the latest fresh produce industry news at fruitnet.com.